This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. Hello and welcome to the Girl Fit Method podcast. I'm your host, Natasha Wakefield, and I am here to help you take charge of your health, get empowered, and ultimately become the best version of yourself. Let's go. Hello and welcome back to the podcast, my friends. On today's podcast episode, I have Amber from Biceps After Babies. I always go to say babies after biceps and I have to really think about it. But Amber is absolutely incredible. She is an OG in the coaching space, in particular for coaching women, all things macro counting. She's an absolute genius. So I'm super excited to bring this podcast episode to you. Before we get stuck into it, though, I do want to announce this month's Gym Shark Voucher Giveaway. So if you didn't know, if you rate and leave a review of the podcast, screenshot that through to me, either via email or Instagram DM. I'm at at girlfitmethod. Then you will go into the running to win a $100 Gymshark voucher. How good. So February's winner is the incredible Brina Morgan. She said this podcast is a breath of fresh air. I've listened to so many fitness podcasts, but Girl Fit Method is so relatable and inspiring. Natasha is amazing. What an incredible review. I honestly love reading all of your reviews. It makes my heart so happy. So uh, please reach out to us, Brina Morgan, and we will get that voucher through to you. All right, let's get into this podcast interview. Hello, and welcome back to the Girl Fit Method podcast. So on today's podcast episode, I am so excited to have an incredible guest on, Amber from Biceps After Babies. Now, Amber, I've been following you. I've known about you for a very, very, very long time. So this is a really weird experience actually having you on the podcast, but very exciting (laughs) as well. (laughs) So welcome. I'm excited too. Absolutely. Isn't it incredible how I guess like with online businesses now and podcasting, you just have the ability to be able to meet with people that you never would have in the past and have really great conversations. It's such a great platform. It's it's so fun. And I feel like with the advent of podcasts, I feel like the people I listen to, I get to like know them and they're they're my friend and they don't even know it. But I that's what I love about podcasting is it is so like intimate and you get to know people and and really hear from them. Yeah, it's really awesome. So if my audience don't know who you are, I'm gonna hand it over to you. Maybe sure. give us a little bit of a um just a summary of how you got into the position that you're in now and what you do. Yeah. Awesome. So I, um, my name is Amber Brzezicki and I'm the owner of Biceps After Babies. I started Biceps After Babies back in 2016 uh, because I set a New Year's resolution in 2016 to get a six pack. That was, that was what I wanted. I'd been exercising. I'd been a group fitness instructor for eight years and I had the exercise portion down pat, but I really realized going into 2016 that if I wanted to ch- really change my body, that I needed to have my nutrition also align with with that goal. And to that point, I really hadn't paid attention to my nutrition at all. It just been like work out, work out harder, work out more, add more classes. And that had been my only tool to be able to really create change in my body. And uh, around that time, I stumbled upon macro counting. And I am a nurse by trade. I went to nursing school. I practiced as a critical care nurse. My husband's a physician. And when I stumbled upon macro counting, it was the first thing that finally made sense to me from a scientific and a nutritional standpoint. I look at other diets and I'm like, that doesn't really make sense. Like if you understand the science, if you understand the biochemistry, like that doesn't actually make sense of why that would produce 
fat loss more than anything else. And when I started looking at macro counting, I was like, this is nutritionally, this is nutritionally sound. This, this has science to back it up. So I'm going to, I'm going to test this out on myself. And so I started counting macros back in 2016 and I was floored at the amount of change that happened in my body in a relatively short amount of time. Like I said, I'd been teaching group fitness classes for eight years. When I actually started implementing macro counting in addition to, to lifting, my body changed in like eight to 10 weeks. And it, I, was, I was actually really shocked how fast things changed. And I did, I got that six pack, that was my New Year's resolution. And I just started sharing my story online. I, I had no intentions of starting a business. I really was just like, this thing is so cool. Like, <laughs> you know, this really changed my body. And I started sharing my story online. And very quickly, people started asking me to coach them. And that turned into a business. And here we are, you know, seven years later, and I've been able to, you know, serve thousands of women and really be able to help women to understand how to work with their bodies when it comes to their nutrition and their workout plans to be able to create something that is completely customized for them and for their body. And that is scientifically and nutritionally sound. Mm. Yeah, because let's be honest, it's incredibly confusing. And it's so funny. I, I really resonate with your story in that I spent years and years and years trying to figure out how on earth to achieve my goals. And nutrition for me, you probably felt the same way as you thought that you were making all the right decisions when it right. came to what you were eating or you were eating quote unquote clean or eating good foods when in fact your macros were completely off. And in particular, I'm sure you've experienced that the majority of women will underconsume protein and how important is protein for muscle growth, for recovery and for fat loss. But as women, we tend to not gravitate towards that. We gravitate more so towards fats, towards carbohydrates, which are all wonderful. However, mm -hmm. there really needs to be that proper ratio and split of the macronutrients in order to see those changes visibly. Yeah, that's right. And, and the other thing I find is that a lot of women are under eating as well, because they've been told their whole life that the key to success is just to eat less. And then yes. if that doesn't work, just eat less. And then if that doesn't work, just eat less, which is also a losing battle. Horrible. And then, you know, that really then plays into your mental health as well, because there's only so long you can maintain under consuming without it actually affecting the way that you think as well, which is kind of gets you into some dangerous territory. For sure. Awesome. All right. Well, that was a really great summary. Now, what we really wanted to focus on today was self-sabotage, which is a very big, big subject. And I think all of us at some point in our life have dealt with self-sabotage and it does look different for different people. However, I see it a lot and I know that you're going to talk about your own experience as well as a coach in seeing how women in particular will self-sabotage their own success. So I guess when we talk about self-sabotage, is that something that you've kind of experienced personally for yourself? And then from there, how do you recognize that in, in the women that you work with? Absolutely. Yeah. I, and I, I really want to normalize self-sabotage because I think one of the, the biggest things that self-sabotage does to harm us is to give us shame and think that we're bad or wrong or stupid or weak because we experience self-sabotage. And so I really want to normalize self-sabotage, that self-sabotage is a human behavior. And yeah, we're going to talk about it in the realm of health and fitness because it shows up for a lot of women in health and fitness, but self-sabotage behavior shows up in many, many areas of our lives. And it it happens because our brain tends to run on habit and on habit loops. And so we'll talk about how self-sabotage self really is part of the habit loop. But yeah, everybody experiences self-sabotage. So 
let me just back up just a little bit because I I've now said self sabotage probably fifteen times, but we haven't yet defined what I mean when I say self sabotage. So when I say self sabotage, what I mean is that phenomenon where we say I want that or I'm going to do that, and then for some reason we don't. You know, it can look like I'm going to go to the gym tomorrow, and then it's the end of the day and you never went to the gym, or I'm going to I'm going to count my macros tomorrow, and then you don't. It's that I want X, Y, or Z. And then for some reason, we don't actually do it. We sabotage ourselves. And so that's what I mean when I say self-sabotage. And it happens, like I said, in, in lots of areas of our life. It is a human phenomenon. It is a, if you have a brain, it is a way that our brain um, deals with the external world. And so, yeah, it, it, it shows up for me oftentimes in procrastination. Uh, it shows up oftentimes, again, in, in saying, I want that thing, but then for some reason I don't get started or I don't do the thing or I don't do the things that I know are going to drive me towards the result I want. Um, a lot of times it shows up in my clients in as they're as they are starting out their journey, having a lot of excitement, a lot of motivation, a lot of I'm going to do all of the things. And then, you know, three weeks later, they're floundering. They're back to the their old behaviors and their old habits. And they're sitting there wondering, well, what did I do wrong? How come I couldn't carry that momentum and that motivation longer than three weeks? Mm. Funny you said three weeks because I find it's exactly at that three-week mark when people tend to drop off and tend to not keep the promises that they've made to themselves. And I think the dangerous thing about self-sabotage, what we have to be aware of, is that when we do it, so when we make a promise to ourselves to do something or a goal that we're wanting to achieve, when self-sabotage creeps in, we feel like we've failed, which then affects our confidence, which then affects our future action steps as well because if we reflect back on what we didn't do so the promises that we made to ourselves that we didn't follow through on we can then often think well I'm not going to follow through on this right and it's kind of like exactly what you were talking about with shame and we know that shame breeds more shame right and it's this cycle of you never actually getting anywhere when I think about um just you mentioned procrastination I think is a really really big one Um, The other thing I think as well when it comes to self-sabotage is not feeling like you're worthy of achieving that end goal as well. And sometimes we're not even aware of that. You know, I can even think about situations in my own life where I've wanted to achieve something and deep down I know that I can achieve it, but I'm actually really fearful of achieving it because I'm fearful of that success because maybe I feel like I'm not worthy of it as well. And it's about really figuring out that why. Why is it that you're holding yourself back from achieving that thing? But you've talked about habits and I think habits are really very important because you're right. We create this loop in our brain where we take the same kind of action day in and day out, but we know we want to change, but we feel like we kind of can't. We fall back into these old habits. So to overcome, I suppose, to change those habits and to overcome self-sabotage, how do we how do we begin to build new habits that are going to serve us um, so that we can actually reach that end goal that we've set for ourselves? Yeah, it's a fabulous question. And I think to to understand that that shift of how do how do we actually start to make the shift, we have to figure out why the self-sabotage is occurring. And you did a phenomenal job of of looking at what's underneath the self-sabotaging behavior to find out what's really going on. And this is what not enough people do or realize. So what ha- often happens is somebody says, I want to go to the gym, and they wake up the next morning and they talk themselves out of it and they don't actually end up going to the gym. And 
And then they look and they say, well, that's the problem. The problem is that I just didn't go. The problem was that I didn't have enough motivation. The problem was I didn't stick to my guns. Like I need more willpower. And they look at, they look at the, the symptom, which is that I didn't go to the gym. And they think that's the problem that needs to be solved. But what's really important for people to understand is that our behaviors happen for a reason. And oftentimes we're looking at trying to change the behaviors as in, I didn't go to the gym. I want to change that behavior in the future. And they focus on the behavior. But when you can understand that every single behavior you take is because of a belief behind the behavior, then we can start to understand that, oh, when I see self-sabotage, I don't necessarily need to fix the behavior itself. What I need to fix is the belief that's driving the behavior. And so this can be a little trickier because it's like, well, why why didn't I go to the gym? What is the belief that's stopping me from, from taking the action I want to take? And you gave a phenomenal example of one that's very, very common for a lot of women. It's this idea of worthiness, is if you have a goal that you don't really feel like you're worthy of achieving, that's a belief that will you will create self-sabotaging behaviors because of that underlying belief. So if all you're trying to fix is the behavior, you're going to continue to get caught in that cycle because you're not addressing what is really causing the behavior, which is is that underlying belief. So if we have an underlying belief that I'm not worthy of it, we got to start there. And when we when we shift that and when we fix that, that will inherently change the behaviors. And we don't necessarily have to focus so hard on, well, why didn't I go to the gym? It's like, let's focus on what's underneath it. And then that will naturally start to change the behaviors. And wouldn't you agree that it's so much easier to focus on the action? So focus on yeah. the why I actually didn't get to the gym because that's mm. more so tangible, right? So we can yeah, think totally. about, and it's very surface level. When we start thinking about dealing with uh, the deeper rooted issue, that's when hurt comes up and it's actually mm-hmm quite overwhelming to think, well, maybe I've thought this way for 20 years. How do I break that thought cycle? It's so much easier to just neglect that and then instead focus on beating yourself up about not actually taking the action. So mm-hmm. I guess like for anyone, I mean, it's it's a, a can of worms really, but when we're looking at overcoming and really dealing with the self-limiting beliefs that we have, the poor self-confidence that we have, or these thoughts or beliefs we have about ourselves that are, that are showing up in self-sabotage, where do we start in trying to overcome and change that thought pattern? Yes, yeah, so such a good question. And and to your point, I think, um, it, you know, compassion is, leading with compassion is a really great place to start. So compassion for yourself of like, again, this is a human behavior. It doesn't mean that I'm a failure. It doesn't mean I'm not, I'm not, you're never going to be able to be successful. This is a human behavior. And I also think the reason that people tend to focus on, on behaviors is because that's where a lot of coaches focus. A lot of coaches don't know how to do the deeper work. They don't know how to get down to the roots of what is really keeping their clients stuck. And so a lot of times, a lot of very well-intentioned, well-meaning coaches will just focus on, hey, you know, do these macros. Hey, do this workout. And that's and that's all that they're trying to help their clients with. And so for no fault of your own, you know, many coaches are coaching in the behavior realm. And there's, a, you know, it's not bad or wrong, but it's so much more effective if we can coach at that, that deeper level and get down to what is actually preventing you from taking action. Um, so, uh, you know, one of the things that I like to help clients to figure out, so if you have noticed self-sabotaging behaviors in your, in your own life, um, and you may be asking yourself the question right now, well, what is underlying that? What, what is the deeper, deeper belief that is holding me back from, from being able to be successful? Um, I think one of the best ways to figure that out is to go to the moment of decision. 
So whenever we say, I want to do that thing, or I'm going to do that thing, or you create a promise for yourself, like you said before, uh, and then you end up not doing it, there was a moment of decision. And if you can go to that moment of decision and really start to think through, how did I justify to myself to not do that thing? What did that justification look like to myself? Because we always will justify. When, when, we, when we don't do something, there is always going to be some sort of justification behind it. And if we can go back to that moment of decision and look at our justification, it will leave hints as to what is going on in our brain that is helping us to uh, you know, bypass that action. And a lot of times those things look like um, trying to avoid failure. That's a big one, right? Um, on the opposite of it, sometimes it's trying to avoid success because you have fear of being successful. What will it mean if I'm successful? What will have to change? What will people think of me if I'm successful? So that's a really common one is that you're scared of success or you're scared of failure. Um, uh, th having things be safe and secure and no like um, familiar is also a really big one that tends to keep people stuck. It's, it's that fear of the unknown, fear of any change that's going to happen. So a lot of times we'll self-sabotage to stay safe and to stay um, with what's familiar. Um, another thing that often can cause self-sabotage is the desire for instant gratification. So that's a very big one of like, I want the thing now. So I'm, I, I am willing to give up the long term for the instant gratification. Um, and then there's a really huge, you know, topic that's a whole topic in and of itself, and that's buffering. So that can look like stress eating or emotional eating, basically, or it can it can look like spending time on social media. It can look like drinking. It can look like anything that you're putting between you and your emotions to act as a buffer of not having to feel your emotions. Mm. So those are some of the most common reasons, like um, root causes that I see with clients in causing them to self-sabotage. So step number one is always going to be to do that investigative work of saying, hey, I said I was going to do this thing. I didn't do it. Can I go back to that moment of decision and think about what was my justification and what hints is that giving to me as to what that underlying belief is that is, is preventing me from really being, being able to do the actions that are going to give me the results that I want. So really first um, uncovering that, that underlying belief is going to be step number one in starting to shift it. I love that. And I mean, everything I've just heard you say is fear. And majority yeah. of the time yes. we keep ourselves stuck because of fear. And I think totally. something that's really, really helped me is that I was someone that definitely lived in fear constantly. I can resonate with every single point that you just brought up, wanting to stick to my routine. I've been very fearful of success. I've been very fearful of failure. I've I've ticked all of those boxes. And I did a lot of research and study into fear. And fear is amazing because it's a way that our mind tries to protect us, right? So when we are feeling feelings of anxiety, when we're feeling like we need to have some sort of big change in our life, our body doesn't or our mind doesn't actually really know that that change may be a good thing. So it always wants to keep us where we are so it can keep us nice and safe. And when you understand that majority of the time when you feel fear, it's because of that you realize that you don't necessarily need to listen to that fear because you're actually, you're not unsafe. 
In fact, Mm -hmm. maybe staying where you are is more unsafe than making that change, right? And when you realize that you can choose for yourself the action that you can take, however, it's going to require you getting out of your comfort zone and you facing that fear. The more that you do that, the more confidence you build in yourself. And you can remind yourself when you come up against another obstacle where you're feeling that fear and you don't really want to change your behavior or there's something that you do want to achieve, but you're scared of achieving that. You can think back to the time when you thought, you know what, I was so scared in this situation, but I stepped out of my comfort zone. And what happened? What was the worst thing that had happened to me? Nothing. Mm-hmm. You just had to sit in the uncomfortable and face those those feelings that feel yuck, mm-hmm. but you were able to overcome them and then they no longer have that control over you. Mm-hmm. I think it's so funny that so many of us say, I want, I want a new result, right? I, I want to reach this goal. And by you putting that out there and saying, I want to reach that goal, you are essentially saying, I want to grow because- if you if you already if you didn't have to grow at all you would already have that thing that you want whatever result it is so by inherently saying i want to reach this goal you're saying i want to grow but then we're saying but i don't want to be uncomfortable i don't want i don't want discomfort i don't want to step outside of my comfort zone but that's what's required right you have to step outside of that comfort zone and then exactly what you just said fear is going to pop up simply because you're stepping outside of your comfort zone but if you want to reach a new goal that you haven't done before you have to step outside of your comfort zone. So I think we can develop a new relationship with fear. And I think this is kind of what you're speaking to. And I think anybody who has been able to um, feel fear and move forward anyway and reach a goal has done this to some extent. It's, it's, it's that you create a new relationship with that fear. No longer does that fear mean I shouldn't do that. Instead, that fear, fear means I'm growing. I'm moving towards the thing that I want. And so we start to have a new relationship with fear. We kind of welcome it. Oh, there it is. I'm stepping outside my comfort zone. There's that fear. That's normal. Like you said, my brain's trying to keep me safe, but it's not a bad thing. It's just, it's just to be expected if you want to grow and you want to achieve new things. Yeah. My favorite quote is feel the fear and do it anyway. And that's yeah. my mantra in life. I love yeah. it. I love it. You just have to. And once you understand that fear is just a part of life, it's actually nothing to be scared of. We yeah. need to kind of lean into that. And it's exactly right. It's almost a sign that you're on the right path and you're doing the right thing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. so good. Yeah. So to so circle good. back around to self-sabotage, all right, so we've really worked on the deeper reason as to why we're self-sabotaging. I think the next thing I wanted to touch on is making achievable goals. So what I see a lot with our girls as well is that they will set these lofty goals. Maybe they've set a time period that they want to achieve these goals in and it's actually you're not able to achieve it. So you're kind of setting yourself up for failure. So mm-hmm. if we've struggled, you know, we've really worked on our why, now we want to we want to achieve this goal. What would be your advice moving forward? to set yourself achievable goals? Do we break it down? How do we actually go about doing that? It's so good. So I love to differentiate between two different types of goals, and that is an outcome goal and a process goal. And so I think what you're speaking to is um, what I would term an outcome goal, which is something that you want to achieve, but it's not really within your control. Um, you don't know how long it's going to take. It's kind of one of those like big, hairy, scary goals that you're like, this is a big thing, but I don't know. I, I may not be able to get there. Like it's just, you throw it out there. Um, and I think outcome goals are actually really important. I think they're, they're valuable because they set our sights in a direction, but they are terrible on the day-to-day basis. Uh, they are not what we should be focusing on the day-to-day basis because they're not always achievable. They're not measurable. They're not something that we can even put a timeline on and they're not within our control. And so then you get people who 
uh, feel terrible because they said they were going to lose 40 pounds in eight weeks and then they don't and then they feel like a failure. And so that's why I think what we're focusing on the day to day is what I like to call process goals. Process goals are very different from an outcome goal because a process goal is entirely within your control. Whether you lose 40 pounds is not really 100% within your control, right? You can control parts of it, but at the end of the day, like your body is either going to lose the weight or it's not like you don't have 100% control over it. You do have 100% control over if you drink 100 ounces of water. You do have 100% control over if you track all of your food. You do have 100% control over if you go to the gym today. So those types of goals, I like to call process goals, are the goals that we're focusing on the day-to-day basis. They should be something that you know that you can do, right? So that brings in that achievable aspect that you were speaking to. It's like, I know that if I focus today, I can go to the gym and work out for 30 minutes, right? That's, it is an achievable goal that I can do today. It's something that's measurable. It's something that I can actually, I like to call it binary, right? Binary is either like a one or a zero, either you did it or you didn't. So an example of a non-binary goal would be, I'm going to drink more water today. Well, you get to the end of the day and you're like, did I drink more water? I don't know. Was it more than yesterday? I'm not really sure. Like, how do you measure that? So that's a non-binary goal. And a much better binary goal would be, I'm going to drink 100 ounces of water today or whatever it is. Because at the end of the day, you can look back and say, did I drink 100 glass of water? It's either a yes or a no. You know, it's, it's, it's binary. So something that's achievable, something that's binary, something that is... Um, going to drive you towards the result that you want, that's 100% within your control. Those are always the things that I'm asking my clients to look at. And those are the things that I want you focusing on on the day-to-day basis. Yeah, it's great that you want to lose 40 pounds. Awesome. That's your outcome goal. But it's not it's not necessarily what we're thinking about every single day. What we're thinking about is our process goals. How are you going to get there? What's within your control? What's achievable? What's something that you can do on a consistent basis? That's where we're focusing on the day-to-day. And that should you know, drive you towards the outcome that you want. But again, that's not within your control. So let's focus on the things that are. Mm. I love that. That's almost a a step-by-step version of saying, trust the journey or enjoy the journey. Um, yeah. yeah. An annoying statement to hear. <laughs> <laughs> but the truth is, it's just, yeah. we actually spend more time on the journey than we do. You know, we achieve that goal and that's just a fleeting moment. But it's the lessons that we learn and the habits that we create along the road to achieving that goal that actually really counts, builds our character and is integral to us then achieving our next goal because we understand we need to create those small habits, those small, as you said, process driven goals that we can then achieve or progress, excuse me, um, focus goals that we can then achieve to then be able to achieve that really large goal. But unfortunately, I think sometimes it is really easy for us to just almost be blinded by the fact that we've got this overarching really big goal, which then overwhelms us, which can then cause procrastination as well. Right. And we totally, yeah. Yeah. Or it makes you feel like I'm a loser because I wanted to lose 40 pounds and I only lost 35. It's like, what, where's the loser part of that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We do that where it's like, I didn't reach the whole goal. And so that means it was a failure when in reality, and this is why I, I like to speak about outcome goals. I don't think that, I think there's a place for them because I think it sets our vision, right? It it sets a, a direction for us to go. And I know that when I set big goals, even if I don't achieve that big goal, I usually am closer to that goal than I would have been if I didn't set the goal at all. Mm. And so, yeah, maybe I didn't hit the full 
you know, big outcome goal that I wanted. But by setting that big goal and pushing myself, I for sure got further than I would have if I just said, I'm not going to set any goal at all. So that's why I really like that balance of like, I think process goals are really, or I think outcome goals are really important, but they have to have to have to have to be paired with process goals so that you're not spending every single day focusing on something that's not within your control. Yeah. Yeah. And once again, that builds confidence because as you start to see how much you've progressed, we talk about being 1% better each day and Mm -hmm. it can be the tiniest, littlest thing, right? So maybe yesterday your goal was to drink, I don't know, an extra two glasses of water. You did that today. Great. You're 1% better. Celebrate that win instead of focusing on that huge goal that's going to take time to then achieve. Yeah. So good. Great conversation. You are amazing. And I know you have your own podcast and obviously your own platform. So let our listeners know where they can find out more about you. Absolutely. Yeah. You can come over to Biceps After Babies Radio. That's my podcast. I'm also Biceps After Babies on Instagram. So come hang out with me over there. Wonderful. Thanks so much for your time, Amber. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was really fun.